Hi, this is Sean Blackshear, life insurance broker for First Family Life Allegiance. Did you know that life insurance not only will cover you if you pass away, but it's also used to build a legacy for your family. It can also help you generate income. It can protect your mortgage and it can cover you with any kind of medical affliction. Please contact me at 314-374-3412 or please drop me a message on, on Facebook and like the page at First Family Life Allegiance or go to my website, firstfamilylifeallegiance.com and schedule an appointment and I'll call you at a time that works for you. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Before After Podcast with the talk lady, Christy Danielle. Welcome to another session, y'all. I'm telling y'all. If you have not, you know, I always got to open up like this. If you have not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to any podcast. I have an amazing guest today. Her name is Elena Epps. Say hello to the to the clients. Hi, everybody. Yes. How y'all doing today? <laughs> yes, I'm telling you, she is a phenomenal opera singer she's a leader in her own right she she's also the worship leader at agape time ministries international oh my goodness Uh, welcome to the show thank you for having me talk lady yes (laughs) and and you and i were actually we were on the phone yesterday yes and, and this is how we came up with the title of the show. So the name of the show is Making Anxiety Work For You. That's the name of this session. Making Anxiety Work For You. Elena, please. I, I call her Lele. So if, yes. if that comes out, deal with it. Um, <laughs> but no, why does this topic just touch you? Or how do you relate to it? Go ahead. Who doesn't have anxiety? Anyone that says they don't, they're lying. Liars. (laughs) They are lying. Um, I have always had some type of anxiety about life or performances or school. They just come in different forms. And so it's about time we learn how to make it work for us instead of letting it ruin us. Yeah. You know, this topic, when you and I were actually FaceTiming yesterday, um, it reminded me um, I did a magazine article for someone who, of course, owns their own magazine brand. And the name of it was, um, Are You Employed by Trauma? And and I say it all the time that trauma behaves as a bully. It tells us who to marry, how to date, how to be a parent if you have kids. It tells you what career to choose. Not. Some of us know good and well we should be doing other careers. But yep. I, come on. I started off as a business major oh. because of fear. See? And then it ended up being a music major and graduated a month ago. Woo woo! Hey! Yes! <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So, I just love that example because you going into business, I mean, how? I'm just putting myself in your shoes. That must have been just like so boring. <laughs> yes! <laughs> boring, felt no passion, felt no purpose. I was like, yes, I can get a degree, yes, I can make money, but am I happy? What, and what's driving me to learn all these Microsoft Office skills? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and, and you know something? And, and I always tell clients, your trauma defines your purpose. And you've spoken candidly before about this, but you deal with anxiety. Yes. And 
you know, you see someone and you, you know, hey, yes. yeah. And who would have known? But see, you, the trauma that you endured, that is your purpose because you're using opera and music to pull people out of that. Explain yes. more about that. Yeah, so I'm going into music therapy, which is basically using music to help uh, to heal people therapeutically. And I'm so happy to be starting that in my master's this fall. But before that, I knew it, music had to basically minister to me first mm-hmm. and had to be my outlet. So first I had to stop being afraid of it and thinking I'm less than. I thought before I became a music major that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't trained enough or had the capacity to even hold a music degree or withstand all of the rhetoric and music theory and all of that. And I just had to say no to the fear and say, the worst that can happen is one, I don't get accepted into the school, which of course didn't happen. (laughs) Two, um, I'll fail and then I try again. Right, but you know, that's how anxiety works. Anxiety makes you feel like you are about to die, but that's that's literally your limbic system, the amygdala, all of it. That's literally the goal of anxiety. It, it magnifies any situation. So if the purpose on your life is great, it's no coinky dink that the anxiety on your life is like it feels great. I mean, you know, great meaning like large, magnified, and. Uh, talking about trauma defines your purpose I always tell uh, clients the things that you hate most about yourself the things that you hate that you went through that that you deal with uh, that is a perfect example of your clients and your customers yes so for me that is (laughs) control Mm. I (laughs) came from um, a, a household where I wanted control but didn't have it for a long time someone else had it mm-hmm. and they ruled the household for a long time and once um, that season was up I just wanted control over everything else wow. that I could get control over mm-hmm. and that came out as me being bossy and me seeming prideful like I have all the information at any event or any performance mm. and me just thinking I'm all that and a bag of chips and it wasn't the my fixer intention. and the hero yes the fixer and the hero uh, every situation and that wasn't my intention of wanting to be that it just my anxiety um, projected that image of me when really I just wanted some type of peace in mm-hmm. my life and and wow. control felt like peace yeah and, and, you know, this is something that I tell clients with anxiety uh, is that we just need to find a way to get some healthy control. Yes. <laughs> healthy control. Healthy control. <laughs> I know you're probably like, how is control healthy? No, healthy control. So I, I love that you are being so vulnerable, so open, because really, you know, the things that you the things that you went through and the things that you struggle with you're now seeing oh this is what I'm supposed to pull people out of yes Ugh. yes I find that ooh, so many musicians oh my goodness as performers you want everything to be perfect you mm. want you train so that everything comes out correct so we are the biggest ones with control issues <laughs> but you, know that, you know what though I'm glad you brought that out because this segment, and I'm also going to promote this session also for worship leaders, singers, actors, because um, 
this is what's so powerful. Um, I was, of course, I'm a big neuroscience geek. I've said it before. Like, I've also had my bachelor's in nursing. I'm a registered nurse as well. And the corpus callosum, that is the piece of the brain that connects the left and the right hemisphere. When you sing or when you dance, when you do creative uh, type of careers, Mm -hmm. it's like opera singing, Mm -hmm. for instance, what you do. It stimulates both sides of the brain. Yes, it does. And uh, and that can be better, really beneficial in recalling memories. Yes. And 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 you know, and this is why so many, even in ch- the church realm, so many worship leaders struggle with depression and anxiety because they are using their whole brain, and it's using the whole subconscious. I mean, I mean, yes. Um, ooh, I can't even. Going back to my first time leading worship, there were so many nerves and ridiculous mm-hmm. um, feeling loss of control. And oh, gosh. <laughs> it really wasn't even... God is in control. And to totally step out of yourself and give God that control in that moment, but also be the head or the leader for the rest of the congregation is an extremely vulnerable dynamic where you're picking up everything in the audience, in the in the congregation my goodness and also (laughs) having to hear from God at the same time on how to interpret that and how to answer it and then you also have your own stuff and so you're like okay well let's just try to put up get on the altar before then to get rid of my stuff (laughs) and then maybe it'll be a little bit easier to just be in the presence of the Lord and help facilitate the Holy Spirit into the with the congregation and before I, this is just knowledge I've learned being at Agape, but before really understanding what that looks like, just I couldn't imagine really just coming up before people and not knowing what's going on with me and that mm. I'm going to be picking up people in the congregation too. I'd be a mess. Wow. I would be a crazy mess and just walk out. <laughs> yeah, but you know something, that that kind of flows back to what we were talking about earlier and even the topic, making anxiety work for you because when we really think about it, that's a level of vulnerability. Yeah. And vulnerability means we lose control. Yep. So, but that so flows into our purpose because most likely our purpose is, in, is tied into areas where we need to gain some vulnerability. Yes. It, it, listen, if... If you already skilled in it, great. But when you have to practice that skill, and it it takes on a <laughs> it takes on a different level. You love it, then you hate it, then you love it again, then you hate it. Yeah. And then you love it, and you're like, why am I not here yet? I thought I was here, but I'm really here. And it's just, man, you go through it's a love hate relationship. <laughs> it really. Is. It is. I told my teacher, my voice teacher, I said this melisma, which is like a whole bunch of runs in mm-hmm. the classical language. I was like, I'm not getting it right, and I want to quit. Mm-hmm. I want to quit singing. She was like, how long have you actually practiced it? And I was like, oh. Well, still, I should be at a certain level by now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's not true. It's just you, you, you grow. It's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about um, the really what's going on with anxiety because mm-hmm. this is – educational as well yes and so what I was uh fight flight you know we always say fight flight and then later on it was fight flight freeze but it's really fight 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 flight freeze fawn f-a-w-n my goodness that's a tongue twister so I want to read 
just some signs and symptoms of each one. I Googled this, I pulled it up, but you can find this information anywhere. Um, if you are, because what happens is when we go into one of the four Fs, um, that's because our limbic system is out of control and that is a sign. It's basically how you manifest your anxiety. Mental illness and things like that, they manifest differently. Like actually my clients who I know have depression are the biggest community leaders. If I see somebody who are uh, someone who is in multiple activities, they want to excel at everything. The world will be like, oh, my gosh, this person is such a leader. This person is so amazing. But really, when they come into my office, all I see is depression. Exactly. It, it manifests. And just to put that out there, I do have my own journey with depression, just being vulnerable with everyone. So I am included <laughs> in this, and in listen, this, this, this artistic woman, journey. And I have done it all a lot of things but i mean you sang with stevie wonder and uh, i sang at carnegie hall all these things and i still have my own journey with depression i'm at a very good place now but it's been a journey yeah and i'm not afraid to talk about it thank you (laughs) so i just want to talk about fight flight freeze or fawn you know when your anxiety or depression it manifests as a fight when you display some of these symptoms self-preservation at all costs explosive temper and outbursts aggressive angry behavior controls others bullies um you can't hear others opinions so that's a very aggressive approach um and and then uh, we said this last time but independence is the biggest form of traumatic response if somebody is harping and so proud of being so independent that's a sign that they are going into a fight response yep. and they have unhealed trauma. Yep. Sorry I don't need nobody. It. I've been yeah. hurt so much and I don't need nobody. I don't, whoa, yeah, whoa, no, whoa, that whoa. ain't it. What they say, gang, gang. No, no gang. <laughs> no. no gang, gang. Okay, and then flight, um, obsessive and or compulsive behaviors, uh, feelings of panic and anxiety, rushing around, overworking, workaholic, can't sit still, can't relax, tries to micromanage. Again, that's about their control. Yeah, I need it. Okay, and then freeze. Uh, spacing out, feeling unreal, uh, feeling unreal, hibernating, isolating the, the self from the outside world. Couch potato disassociates. That, that, it's like an out-of-body experience. Everything looks like it's in slow motion. It's like you're just on the out and you're looking at everything. Um, that's how a lot of clients... Uh, and then also I've seen a, a lot of daydreamers. Sometimes daydreaming can be good. It helps the brain, but daydreaming can be a sign as well. Um, fawn. You know you're a fawner. <laughs> Whatever. Um, people pleasing. Uh, scared to say what they really think. Talks about the other instead of themselves. Flatters others to avoid conflict. Angel of mercy. Overcaring. The sucker. Uh, they, they said that. You know, see, I'm, I'm listening to this list. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. I, uh, okay. What they say, makes appointment with therapist ASAP. Yes. Uh, I'm just <laughs> putting a note for myself. And can't stand up for themselves or have difficulty saying no. You can be a mixture. Yes. Yeah, I, I could. Did you relate? Oh, yes, extremely. <laughs> I have seen uh, different parts of my life go through each one of those. It yes. was like, if there were, if it, my environment was the one causing the anxiety, I'd be the one I would disassociate and I would daydream. Right. If it was me actively participating, I would be aggressive and I would mm. be micromanaging. 
Wow. So I've seen both. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so different, different traumas may recall different things. So, but how do we make anxiety work for you? We've already talked about early on in the session about, uh, and this is a question, and this is what we talked about, but this is a question I've asked before, and I'm going to ask you again. You always hear me say this in every session. I want, I cannot stand it when clients come to just, I mean, they can come and just talk, but they're also coming for strategies most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I can't stand it when therapists won't give strategy. Ooh. Okay, I need you, I need something because I tell clients what you practice in the session, you will be able to do outside the session. So, I, Listen to this exercise. You've probably heard it before, but we could do it again on the in, on the other episodes slash sessions. I want you to write down everything, and I'm using this term on purpose, that you hate about yourself. Reasons that would put you in therapy. Reasons why you would want to go to therapy. I want you to make that list. And then after that, I want you to create a list of things that you hate, that you went through, that you've been through. The things that you cannot stand about yourself, those are your clients. The things that you cannot stand that you went through and that you hate that you went through, that's your product. You have a first-hand look at your purpose in the earth. Oh my goodness. Yes. Can you relate? Yes. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can't run from it. And like, seriously, people, write it down. Yeah. It, it makes you look at it. Yeah. So thinking about that strategy, um, and, and so this is also what I call your soul, S-O-U-L, dictionary. How does, what are the thought process, what are your thoughts like when you're triggered? How does it manifest in your body? That is your dictionary. Like, Elena, your name is Elena. Yes. Uh, you have an Elena dictionary. Yes. And when Elena is triggered, her thoughts are like this. It manifests in her body like this. That's how you know, oh, shoot. Like, for me, one of my biggest triggers is abandonment trauma. If I even think you are about to leave my life. <laughs> my, my mind races. Um, now, it'll manifest in my epigastric or my upper stomach right below my diaphragm area. It'll manifest physically right there. But if I'm... If I'm the one who want to, wants to abandon someone or I'm getting very rebellious, very uh, meeting a lot of resistance, it manifests in my chest. So how it manifests in your thought life and what are the emotions? Mm-hmm. So you can, you as that anxiety flares up, it's giving you a perfect example. So anxiety is really working for you. So when the anxiety comes up, it would be beneficial to say, okay, anxiety, what are you telling me? Yes, that's important. Mm-hmm. That's actually how I began therapy. Mm. I started having anxiety attacks in high school and no one could help me. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the nurse's office. What it was like for me, it was just consistent burping without me being able to inhale. That's very common. And yes, it feels like, I was like yes. what is happening? Mm-hmm. And they were like, I think you're having anxiety attacks. And I'm like, what? And this was that time where my um, parents were going through a divorce. So it made sense that this trauma is happening within my life and now this new trait is is happening and I just fought off therapy for so long I was like I don't trust well because I didn't trust anybody because of other issues and trust issues I was like I don't want to talk to anybody about my problems but once I did what happened they stopped (laughs) confessing is good (laughs) yes 
they stopped um and then we it, it's just been an ongoing journey with therapy and I, I haven't had an anxiety like that attack like that in, in years thankfully but now it comes out in different ways mm. it comes out in me my mind racing um my chest getting tight me literally bossing people around and getting mad or just wanting to spaz on them at any moment and that's how I know I'm like okay did they actually do something wow. to me mm-hmm. if they did not then it's me and I need to go in a corner and just chill out for a minute and figure out what's going on but at first I did use the spaz and unfortunately it was to my family members and I I did have to go back and apologize um once that happened I was like I just want to make you feel bad because I feel bad it, that's how it, it, it is that but I love the tone and the atmosphere that in the manner that you're speaking about it because um, awareness is such a key thing I, I, I say it all the time out of 100% of your healing process 90% is awareness yep. the rest of the 10% is you making a decision on the awareness yep. we can't even work on strategies another if you're not even aware of the behavior it's true yeah so you totally express awareness before I can even begin to heal I I tell clients all the time and this is hey audience this is something we could initially the awareness is way up here and it's way before no I'm sorry the awareness is way after the action after you've done the behavior yep but as you begin to talk about it more and begin to work on it on your awareness and how it manifests the the space between how you realize it afterwards and the awareness it gets smaller and smaller and then what begins to happen is you become aware of it before the action yes yes that's the goal yes that is the goal yeah that is the goal <laughs> it, it is the goal it is it, it is getting you to find the awareness beforehand so actually and, and and another thing about it when we say um and i even want to just point out how you're talking about it you're talking about anxiety as if it's not a part of you, which is good. It's okay. so, it's something you do. Yes. I mean, meaning, but it's not who you are. Yeah. And matter of fact, let me even change that. It's something that happens to you. Your body is responding, but that's not you. Yes. Uh, and, and one of the greatest thing, uh, Pastor Michelle King, she taught me. She said, uh, uh, she. I heard her preaching one time and she said, emotionality is not spirituality. Just because you feel a certain way does not mean that's where you are spiritually. Yes. Those are two different things, but we turn our emotions into our state of being. Right? Yep. So we got to ch- change the language. I am angry. No, 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 no. Feel it. Yeah. Thank you. You are not anger. <laughs> you are Elena. <laughs> yes. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, 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 and then we beat ourselves up for having any emotion, especially in the church realm, mm-hmm. we we th- God did not design us to be robots. You mean to tell me? And this is this is something because uh, I'm just being very uh, transparent here. Uh, part of my testimony, of course, I was uh, I'm, I am divorced, mm-hmm. and and there was some infidelity on the other end. Um, but I mean, I would b- feel so guilty about being angry. But that caused more anxiety because it was, no, don't be angry. Don't be angry. But actually, the anger is a good thing. Yes. You don't want, but what What does unhealthy church or unhealthy adulthood, not just the church room, and this yes. unhealthy adulthood tells us these bad things happen. Don't feel anything. Just get up and yeah, keep going. 
Don't give up. Keep going. Brush it off. Yeah. What? You know, brush yeah, the brush dirt off your <laughs> Don't wear your don't wear your feelings on your sleeves. Oh, well, I'ma need to feel it somewhere. I'ma need to feel it somewhere. <laughs> so God did not design for us to be robotic. And even if you're not a believer, you I I, I want you to feel comfortable in knowing you are not a robot. And we gotta shift out of autopilot. And so the emotions. That's actually a good sign that your soul is in a good place of feeling. Yeah. <laughs> what if you couldn't feel, y'all? Like, you couldn't feel nothing. You numb? That reminds me of serial killer. Well, I, thank but, you. I, no, that's it. it I, I tell my clients all the time, I'm like, wait a minute. So you are upset because you're feeling. I said, if you weren't responding this way, I actually would have pulled out my DSM and I would have said antisocial personality disorder. People think antisocial personality disorder is like somebody who's like antisocial. No, antisocial personality disorder, that's your serial killers. Those are. It's like they don't have souls almost. It, it, you you feel and see emptiness looking into them yes. yeah like i don't want that. i don't want that no so you you you're not uh robotic and i i mentioned the book that i'm writing before um mentioned before and i talked about that how even god has emotions i mean when the children of israel did the golden calf god was like i know i promised them but i'm finna kill them and Moses was like, wait a minute, hold on, you promised. See, the intercessor, my goodness, had to stand in the place and be like, God, remember what you said? And God was like, all right, I did say that. See, we could <laughs> we do that. Exactly. Come from an emotional God. He's not not working out of his emotions, but he is emotional. Exactly. And so his creations go Exactly. Exactly. So those emotions that you're feeling, let them work for you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like uh, Pastor Pam says, your emotions are a thermometer in your tabernacle. Yep. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. That was such a great thing to learn eventually and accept. All right. <laughs> it, it, don't, it don't just happen, y'all, overnight. You just got to pay attention. It's about paying attention. Yeah. And so, and she mentioned that, like, emotions are a thermometer in your tabernacle, meaning, uh, when when you feel an emotion, or we're talking about anxiety, it is just a, it, it, it works like a post office system. It is delivering a message that uh, that you need to just be mindful of. Yep. That's it. Yep. It's just an alert. That's it's it. It's just an alert. That's so good. And when you take, man, alerts don't have, like, alert on your phone. It don't hurt you. Oh, that's good. It's wow. It's just a little ping. And we be like, ow, it shot me. It shot me with this alert oh of anger, this alert of anxiety. I got shot. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is just a little ping to say, hey, this is going on in the background. That's it. I love that. I, I think I'm, I, you know what, Elena? I, you know what? You need to do a T-shirt line. It's just a ping. It's just a ping. It's just a little vibrate, you know, look. That's all. <laughs> Hit your phone. That, but th- that is true. We we address our emotions like they're people. And, and, and they're not. So this is what I call healthy detachment. I even tell some clients, and, and, and you, you know, come on, you such the beautiful opera singer. <laughs> I, you know, it, it writing a song, how does that anxiety make you feel? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you drop, go ahead. You're about to say something. 
it depends on which like which way you go my brain is like two different ways it's like when you have the responsibility to write or if you're writing just to be therapeutic those are two different kind of anxiety things that you can write about but if you're just writing to get it out I mean writing to get it out you're getting it out you're putting to paper what's happening behind the scenes in your body yes yes and so once you see it you can deal with it yeah thank you <laughs> ping <laughs> ping no. I, I didn't I didn't tell the producer to do a ping stop, but ping I'm gonna do it you know because let, let me tell you because um that is detachment healthy detachment if you see the anxiety, you can tell it where to go. Yes. That reminds me of the exercise you used to have me do um, about seeing things in a color. Oh, my gosh. You remember oh, that. Oh, yes. I use it quite often. <laughs> I need it on the daily. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. It's this wonderful exercise where you give your emotion a color. Mm. And then you, you imagine yourself in this bubble. And that that color is all inside of that bubble and then you take a space outside of that bubble mm. in the room or wherever you're at and you blow out that color out of your bubble until you can't see it anymore that's it and that woo, helps so much <laughs> literally seeing it i mean even if it's just i do it with my eyes closed because it's easier seeing that color disappear gives me so much more peace yes because it's causing your brain to separate yourself from the anxiety. That is, yes, golden. I learned that activity by Dr., uh, from Dr. Mike Davis. I call this man my mentor. He will be on the show, okay? <laughs> but yes, it is detaching yourself from the anxiety. Because nine times out of 10, the anxiety is telling you something. And like like you were saying, like for instance, like the control, I need the control. And, and, and you know, wanting control means somewhere there may be not for everybody but majority of the people uh with if there is a control issue there is somewhere a fear of rejection or abandonment yes mm -hmm. i agree it means I, i've lost something something in me is not secure and so i need to grab something and control something to get security yes or to make sure it doesn't leave me yes exactly and that's where uh possessiveness possessiveness uh comes from and the stalkers and oh mm -hmm. gosh you know and yeah. I'm to, I, listen, I used to, um, I've been delivered and set free. <laughs> but if you would have met me pre-Jesus, I, I, I would, oh, amen. All right, so I was very possessive. I was very much a stalker. I wanted to know everything about you. It was, uh, it was obsessiveness. It was, uh, you know, but that was a way for me to control. And you and people that I would be intimate with, they would feel it. Mm -hmm. they, they would most definitely feel it. And it, even transferring this into a church realm, a lot of people do this with their pastors unknowingly. Yeah, they, they, I, I want the pastor to, why he ain't paying, why he or she ain't paying attention to me? Yeah. Why they ain't do this? Oh, look, I bought you a gift. But it's a way of being manipulative and control. Mm -hmm. And so I always said, this is something I put in the book. Rejection is the biggest form of pride. Ooh, y'all need to purchase the book. <laughs> but rejection is the biggest form of pride because it is still focused on I. Don't leave me. I don't want you to leave me. I will be sad. I, why don't you want me? See, it's all about self. So 
where they manifest as controlling, controlling, like aggressive control or passive, whatever, it's still, it, whether it's rejection or what, it's still pride. Yeah. Correct. I, I love that you mentioned that. Uh, you helped me see that one. It's like, so you think, you think you have all the knowledge to help somebody, <laughs> that you're the only person that can give them knowledge in that moment. And I'm like, uh, when you say it like that, no. But in the moment, I guess I did feel that. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know something? I, I, I was able to identify that because there was a, a garment that I wore as well. So that's why I said your purpose is you're able to identify mm-hmm. who you used to wear that garment. Guess what? You can identify people easier yep. when you wear that garment. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, it it it, it, it goes in so many ways or pathways that this could go, but the anxiety can work for you. So I probably asked this earlier, but how has the anxiety worked for you? Ah, how has it well, one, I guess start from the like beginning when I first started. I first said I started off as a business major. I had to realize that I thought it was logic keeping me away from being a music major. Mm. And I had to identify it as fear. Wow. So, of course, fear can induce anxiety. Yes. And so it's like, okay. What if I just take this one step at a time and do these small things and see where it goes? And then I just had to talk to my my anxiety and just be like, hey, okay, we're just going to do this and see how it works out. And just step by step, I realized that my anxiety was fear and that fear shouldn't control me or my destiny. I've always been a musical being. It made no sense for me to become a business major. <laughs> I don't know why people really let me do that, but they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because it was safe. And so once I started recognizing it, recognizing it as anxiety, I was able to move past it and just take things step by step. From then on, of course, I've had to be in therapy to get through mm-hmm. <laughs> being a music major any major any time in life of course of course becoming an adult you should definitely get a therapist um <laughs> to deal with some things but as I kept I kept reaching a point where a new boundary had to be broken and that gave me anxiety a new level of learning and growth had to happen of course that's uncomfortable so it gave me anxiety and I wouldn't I would either not show up to class because I was afraid of what a teacher would say about a performance or I would argue with the way that I performed a thing saying, well, my hands are shaky and I could have did better. (laughs) And it was it was just all this anxiety. It's like, whoa, what's really happening? Are you mad at the teacher? Are you just mad that you have to grow in this area? So anxiety is really can be used as a sign that you're transitioning and growing. See what what I'm talking about? We have just completely demolished (laughs) anxiety. It is not the monster. So basically, anxiety was telling you, hey, you're transitioning. You're going into a new place. That's a good thing. Yes, you're growing. You're becoming this new person or this better person or this actual well-rounded musician that you want it to be. And it was only anxiety and fear keeping you from it. That was it. 
Wow. And how would you say um, the a huge assignment, a weighty assignment, like singing with Stevie Wonder, for instance, anxiety or weight, or we did your senior recital. Um, how how was that? Stevie Wonder one, I was just kind of on top of the moon. You couldn't tell me anything at that moment. I felt nothing. <laughs> I felt nothing but joy. Okay, but, okay, um, we'll take that. We'll take that. Because it wasn't a solo or anything. I was, like, with the group, but mm-hmm. it still, I was just like, woo. Um, but my brain, my anxiety for other things, mm-hmm. even my recital tried to tell me that, tries to tell me that that didn't even happen. Wow. Like, I'm not good enough. And I'm like, but I, people had to remind me, you did this. Look at what you did. And I'm like, oh, I did do that. Maybe I can put on a recital by myself. Oops. (laughs) And that's just how my my brain was working. And I I had, it it will tell you, anxiety and depression will tell you that you can't do something that you've already done and that you've already been trained for. And it's just putting it all on the table for you, for everyone to see. And that does give anxiety. But because you've grown through all of those pressure points, all those challenging topics, you're ready. And that's why it's a senior recital. It's literally the debut of you and everything that you've learned and everything that you have accomplished. And it's just to put you out on display. And they test you before you can do it. So they know they have, right. you have the ability to do it before you even get out there. And, and so even with that, how anxiety works for you, it's changing the interpretation of the anxiety. Yes. Because something you just said, you said, um, I had the anxiety, but I had to be reminded I am good at this. So the interpretation could really be, um, hey, anxiety, you're here. You're telling me I'm not good enough, so that means I am good enough. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for reminding me I am good enough. <laughs> that's so Thank you for so reminding wonderful. me that I've done this, that I've done this, that I've done this, and I can come I can accomplish this next thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if mm. it may be packaged a little differently. And that, man, anxiety will, like, take the smallest little different detail and be like, attack right there. Ping. Right there. Ping. Ping. <laughs> That's what I'm trying. Ping. And it's like, hold up. It's just this, though. It's just this minor difference. But I still have all of this training ready. It's not like I'm I'm not jumping off a cliff. I'm really not. But that's, that's how it <laughs> makes you feel. And, and I'm glad you said that because one of the last points that I wanted to bring out, uh, that jumping off the cliff feeling, mm-hmm. the magnitude and the magnification of that. Yes. Um, uh, what I put in the book, I'm trying to recall it, but something that I put was that, like, for instance, if you're an intercessor or you have great discernment, or, you know, you, you, or let's just say, even if we move out of the church space and we move it into, uh, if you're to be a great CEO of a company or something like that, you can feel the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, the weight of the assignment. And I put in the book, what happens is, um, you're, you, we have several different interpretations that comes along with the body, you know, from a spiritual sense. Uh, your soul can interpret it, your lower self, your soul can interpret it, and then your higher self could interpret it. That's your spiritual, higher spiritual self. So we have two different things interpreting. And to feel the weight of an assignment, your lower self could be interpreting that and say, oh my gosh, this is too big, anxiety. But your higher self could just say, this is big, great. This is graduation. Yes. 
So where where are you and what through what level of your core self are you interpreting things through? So, and, and one of the things I talked about in the book was, uh, like, if I'm an intercessor and I'm picking up someone, I could be fine and dandy. Then all of a sudden, anxiety would come. I'd be like, okay, what what happened? Mm-hmm. What happened? But if I'm picking up that uh, an individual, nine times out of ten, no, 100% of the time, I need to pray for them. But then also, my limbic system has to be in check. Yeah. Because I'm picking up different people and then all of a sudden, you know, I could be feeling that anxiety, but it's someone else. So I need to learn how to get control of the anxiety. Yes. So I... I it's such a process. It's such a process. Like, first of all, yes, alert. Then alert, then you, uh, you become aware. Become aware, you are able to basically dissect it and see where it's coming from, where it's supposed to go, then make a decision what happens next I mean and that's kind of like everything in life really. it honestly. is mm-hmm. true <laughs> but true. like buying a house there's like steps and things that you have to go through it's I mean true. that's just the same thing with anxiety awareness and then just deciding yes deciding, deciding. I um before we go I did I know you probably like uh <laughs> but I wanted somebody to just hear a piece of this beautiful opera music. Oh Lord! <laughs> to, to hear this, to hear this beautiful opera. I know you probably like Christy. Why you put me on the spot? But I just wanted, I wanted people to hear the greatness that's on her because I want us to realize if your limbic system is not in contact when you pick up the weight of the assignment your soul is going to pick it up and you and it'll transfer into anxiety we have to interpret through our higher self so i uh, please <laughs> your producer may get mad <laughs> oh, will it be loud <laughs> will it be loud oh well okay. step away <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> just, just like a couple I'm, of seconds. That's fine. Um, I'm gonna sing the last portion of one of my favorite songs I sung from my recital. Um, it is the vocalese by Rachmaninoff. He's a Russian composer, and it's all on um, ah. There is no words, so everyone will be able to understand what's happening. <laughs> she may need to step away from the mic. <laughs> I did not realize this. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Loud. Just a couple of seconds. That's opera, <laughs> opera extort. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, yes, uh, I love it. Listen, Elena, I have to have you back. Yes. Because I, I, I want to do an episode about being, of course, like empaths in ministry. Ooh. Uh, being an empath in ministry. Hello. We'll talk oh, about yeah. that another That's time. <laughs> yes. So I, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I appreciate being here. This is fun. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, listen, like I said, if you have not subscribed, please 
subscribe spotify apple Podcasts. um you will be i'm telling you elena would just be everywhere okay <laughs> i'm on youtube right now you can follow and subscribe to my page if you want to yes elena Epps or elena nicole one of those two but yes. there. <laughs> and of course if you want to reach out to me it's before after counseling at gmail.com and please remember uh before after we addressed the trauma before the after ever existed. So who were you before the trauma? Until next time.